Hi, friends. Welcome to the State Tax Show, where we discuss all things state and local tax. I'm Matt Hunsaker. Today, we'll be taking a high-level look at state tax issues coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, including a few provisions in the CARES Act. Because most of my listeners are working from home right now, I thought it might be fun if we shared some tips to make that a more enjoyable experience. I kicked that off with last week's episode by offering the suggestion that you get yourself a cheap $20 green screen that you can hang up behind you so that when you are in the middle of a video conference, you can hide all the chaos and clutter behind you and make it look like you have a nice professional office. Well, I got a listener tip that is somewhat related, uh, and that relates to the never-ending problem of how to take conference calls when you have kids running around the house making all kinds of crazy noise. Those of you who have followed the show know that I did a major remodel of the house a few years back, and everything about that was a disaster and showed bad judgment, except for one thing, and that was that in a rare moment of wisdom, I decided to soundproof my office. The soundproofing blocks most of the incidental noise in the house, but but trust me, no soundproofing is any match for my five kids. So if your house is anything like mine, you're looking for a way in which you can handle muting yourself when you're on conference calls. And a listener offered this suggestion. In most of the video conference or VoIP systems, there's a hotkey in there where you can either push like a space bar or some other button that will temporarily take you off mute. And then when you release it, we'll put you back on mute. So, for example, during the chaos, you can just keep it on mute. And then if you need to say something, you can just push down on the space bar, almost like a walkie-talkie. Break one nine for radio check. And just hold it down until you're done talking, and then let go, and you're immediately back on mute. And that's been a handy tip. I've been using that all week. If you have any other tips about how to make working at home wonderful and amazing, or at least tolerable, send them my way, and I will share them with the group. You folks have been clamoring for some time now for content on COVID-19. I haven't covered it because there's just been so much out there on this issue. But you guys want it, and as always, you get what you ask for. The most immediate issue has been filing deadlines, at least over the last few weeks. This is a bit of a moving target, and like any moving target, a podcast is probably not the best place to get your information. So if you need real-time information, there's plenty of resources out there where you can see exactly where the deadline extensions are at. It's been a bit of a mixed bag. You know, many states tie their filing deadlines to federal deadlines. And so with the federal extension, many states just automatically have a state income tax extension. 
But states have been a little slower to act on other tax types, for example, sales tax. I think a lot of them just want to get that revenue in the door. And so not seeing quite as many extensions on that front. But uh, we'll see how that evolves in the coming weeks. One interesting thing that you need to keep an eye out for with regard to deadlines is property tax. You know, we're getting close to the property tax protest season. And if you've ever been to a property tax protest, particularly one where you're before like a civilian body, like an appraisal review board, a lot of times those are folks that uh, are in a demographic that is not one that you want to be in if COVID's going around. And especially if a lot of people are crammed in a room. So I think there's going to be some disruptions to our property tax protest season. And I really have no idea how that's going to shake out. But something to keep in mind in uh, the coming weeks and months as we get into that season. The next issue I want to talk about is telecommuting. Uh, Telecommuting is causing a lot of issues, particularly on the withholding front. Because you have so many employees now who were previously working in state A who are now working in their home state, state B, and that messes up withholding. And it also causes problems with credits and reciprocity agreements between border states. I don't talk a whole lot about individual income tax, and so I think I'll just leave it at there for now. But where this is really causing a lot of, well, I don't know if it's causing a lot of problems yet, but it has a lot of people concerned. And that is whether telecommuting employees spreading them out into new markets is going to expand taxpayers' nexus footprint. So, for example, you have all of your operations in state A, and suddenly now you got to send employees into state B and state C that are nearby because that's where they live. And the question is whether now suddenly do you have nexus in those states where the employees are working from home? It's definitely a valid concern, but I don't think that it's going to ultimately end up being as big of a deal as we may think it is at this you know at this point. And I think a lot of that is because states have bigger issues to look at from a budgetary and tax policy perspective, and I don't think that there is a lot to be gained from going after what will probably be de minimis tax revenue based on expanding nexus. There's a few states, I think, that are toying around with the idea of saying, hey, look, we're not going to treat you as having nexus because of anything that happened with employee relocation during the, the pandemic. I think Mississippi has uh, done that officially, and I, I think some others are talking about that. Even if a state were to take the position that having to send one of your employees home under a stay-at-home order creates nexus in their state, I think that there would be a strong argument that if they're just there because they have to be at home because of the pandemic and their presence in the state isn't really doing anything to further the business in that state, I think you could make an argument that that doesn't really create nexus. And I've talked about this before, but I think it's kind of the other end of the stick with Wayfair. If physical presence isn't the standard for creating nexus, then I think you have a strong argument that having an employee in the state that does nothing to further your economic or virtual presence in the state should be disregarded and you should not have nexus. So just something to keep in the back of your mind 
in the off chance that this whole Nexus thing actually does end up blowing up on us. By now, I suppose that each of you have probably heard all you want to about the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act. I'm not going to cover everything that's in the act, but if you are interested in it, not just from a federal tax perspective, but just kind of how the overall package works, I'll put a link in the show notes to some information that my firm, Baker Hostetler, has put together that's just really excellent. But I want to focus instead on three changes to federal tax law that might affect state taxes. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the interest deduction limitation rules in 163J. With tax reform, and I'll try not to bore you with too many numbers here, but with tax reform, there was a limitation that is essentially 30% of adjusted taxable income. That's the, the cap on interest deduction. The CARES Act has adjusted the cap, so now it's 50% of adjusted taxable income. And that's for tax years 2019 and 2020. And one interesting feature of this is you can use your 2019 adjusted taxable income for computing the cap for 2020. And if you think about that, that makes sense, or is at least a taxpayer-favorable provision because I expect that most companies are probably going to have more adjusted taxable income in 2019 than they will in 2020. And so this will allow them to have a higher cap and be able to deduct more of their interest expense. So how does this provision in the CARES Act affect states? Well, if states are rolling conformity states, meaning they adopt the most current version of the Internal Revenue Code, well, then they've adopted the CARES Act provisions. Now, for the fixed conformity or static conformity states, you know, the states that adopt a uh, Internal Revenue Code as of a specific date, uh, if they adopted the 163J limitation, then they are stuck with the 163J limitation or tax reform unless they do something to affirmatively adopt the CARES Act as well. My math could be wrong by one or two here, but I believe 11 states never adopted the interest expense limitation or they were rolling conformity states and they decoupled. There are 21 states that conform to the 163J limitation, and these are rolling conformity states, and so the CARES Act is now automatically included in their state tax code. And that leaves us with 14. I don't think my math is perfect here, but I believe that leaves us with 14 states that have conformed to the 163J limitation, but they're static states. And so the CARES Act provisions have not yet been implemented and won't be unless the legislatures affirmatively do something to adopt it. Let's move on to net operating losses. If you recall the old rules, and when I say old rules, I mean the rules immediately preceding tax reform, there was a two-year NOL carryback and a 20-year NOL carryforward period. Well, tax reform changed all that. And they changed it to have zero net operating loss carrybacks. But the carry forwards, instead of being 20 years, would be indefinite. Now, the interesting thing about tax reform was they put an 80% tax reform in 
taxable income limitation on the use of NOLs, meaning that you could only offset your NOLs up to 80% of your taxable income. Well, the, those tax reform rules got pushed out a year by the CARES Act. And what the CARES Act has done is it allows a five-year carryback of net operating losses that were generated in 2018, 19, and 20. And then net operating carry-forwards can go out indefinitely. And in addition, it got rid of the 80% taxable income limitation. So that is definitely helpful for taxpayers looking for some cash flow. The question is, what are states going to do? States typically don't like NOL carrybacks because they make it somewhat difficult to plan budgets. And so states are kind of in a hard spot here. There is political pressure to help taxpayers that are really hurting and to help them with their cash flow by allowing net operating loss carrybacks. But on the other hand, states, states do have some constraints. They have to often have a balanced budget, and they most certainly can't print money like the federal government can. So this is going to be a difficult policy question. And as you know, this is a neutral podcast, so I'm not going to get into the policy arguments one way or another. But I would expect that there's probably going to be less NOL carryback relief at the state level than at the federal level. Let me finish up with one little nit that's coming out of the CARES Act that might be relevant to you state tax folks. And that's a qualified improvement property. Tax reform allowed 100% first-year depreciation for certain qualifying assets. And to qualify, you had to have a maker's period, that's your depreciation period, of 20 years or less. Well, Congress made a mistake and they somehow dropped out the 15-year qualified improvement property category, which caused it to have a maker's period of 39 years, which by my math is greater than 20 years. And so the qualified improvement property uh, didn't qualify for this 100% first-year depreciation. And when I say qualified improvement property, what I'm talking about there, in case you're not familiar with the term, is it's the improvements of interior portions of a building that's not residential. So things like build-outs of hotels, restaurants, you know, retail stores, things like that. So the CARES Act fixed this mistake and gave a qualified improvement property a 15-year maker's period. And they did that retroactively. And so taxpayers can now claim the 100% bonus depreciation. When it comes to the states, though, most states don't conform to tax reform's 100% bonus depreciation. But those that do and have rolling conformity, well, they're going to pick up the correction, whereas the static or fixed conformity states are not going to pick up the correction unless they do something about it. Now, this is still important even for those states that don't do bonus depreciation, because a lot of these states will piggyback off of the federal maker's depreciation schedules. And so if they do that right now, the depreciation period for qualified improvement property is 39 years, unless they're either a rolling conformity state or they are static and do something to uh, adopt the maker's period that the CARES Act just changed. 
Well, that's all I have on COVID at the moment. I'm sure we'll probably have to do periodic updates on this issue as things evolve. I hope that you're all doing well. I really do. I hope that you're healthy. I hope your families are healthy. Those of you who have kids, I hope that they're managing doing schoolwork at home okay and they're not driving you crazy. I really think that we're going to see our way through all this and hopefully get back to normal in not too long. So hang in there and uh, we'll get through this together. Looking down the pipeline, I'm looking at doing an episode on the hottest topic of the day. I don't know if it's the hottest topic, but it's kind of the, the new neat topic and that's taxes on digital advertising. And I've got some really good guests that I'm lining up for that, which should be interesting. So keep your eyes open for that one. It will probably be a few weeks down the road before I'm able to get all the people together to make that happen. But it'll be a really interesting uh, episode. And I think you'll be able to walk away really understanding how these digital advertising taxes work and some of the major flaws in them that are causing taxpayers heartburn. So stay tuned for that. Thanks as always for listening. I appreciate your participation. Don't forget to send me your tips for making working at home a tolerable experience. Until next week, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit bakerlaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.